Welcome to the Elevate the Edge podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez of Lopez Research, and I'm joined with my co-host, Joe Peterson of Clarify 360. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Elevate the Edge is published bi-weekly. The podcast focuses on helping companies understand what edge computing is, how the market will evolve, and what you need to know to build successful edge computing strategies. Show notes and subscription links can be found at elevatetheedge.com slash episodes. We hope you'll enjoy the show. Maribel Lopez, and welcome back to the Elevate the Edge podcast. Today, we are joined by Whitney Myers. Her friends call her Wit, and she's the CEO of Zwar. Hey, Wit, how are you doing? Why, hello. Thank you so much for having me. And of course, as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Joe Peterson. Hey, Joe. Hey, Maribel. Hey, Wit. Hello. So, Whit, for those in the audience that might not be familiar, can you tell us what Zwar does and what attracted you to the role? Oh, absolutely. So I, I joined Zwar in about 2019. Um, we are a data technology company in Austin, Texas. And what we specialize in is really helping any company turn their data into a competitive advantage because we have ETL and ELT solutions, data staging and data strategy, embedded analytics. Um, basically, if you need a solution from data to dashboard, we will help you turn it out quickly. Nice, because who doesn't want something fast? All right, so the edge is kind of a really interesting space right now, and it evolves quite rapidly. So what are some of the most innovating and exciting applications of edge data that you're seeing right now? Oh, well, I mean, on a personal front, whenever we talk about edge, I mean, I I just love any technology that is autonomous vehicles. Um, I'm a gamer myself, so any type of innovations in the gaming space are really exciting. Um, in terms of applications of data, especially in the analytics space, you can often think that maybe we're looking back to history and it's reporting and it's the last thing you look at. But whenever you make investments to kind of bridge that latency gap and connect your user to the technology, to the data itself, that's where you get to the past becomes a historical model for what works. And then you pair that with real-time, almost streaming data to actually give you point-in-time guidance on what you should be doing. Um, that gets really exciting. And that has applications, whether it's in retail at the checkout, you recommend bundles of you buy one thing and you need to buy something else at the same time. Or um, we work with a really exciting company that does predictive maintenance on railroads in which they have real-time models, they have historical models paired with real-time applications of what's happening on the locomotive um, combined with things like weather data, maintenance records, things that might be happening further up the line. Um, so it has real impact into safety, avoidance of accidents, um, and, and it's something that I think a lot of manufacturers are trying to get a handle on right now is how you can kind of predict something and fix something while it's working, as opposed to after you cause an entire floor to shut down. Um, so those are some things we're seeing now where I think in the beginning, the edge felt because it is so much about connecting people with their information. The applications that are exciting seem very personal, but on the business side, uh, I think especially since the beginning of 2020, everyone's kind of living on the edge. We all had our own personal 
data systems and sources and clouds whenever we all went fully remote. Uh, and now businesses are starting to catch up and say, that's not a bad thing. So how do we continue to shorten that latency and make investments versus maybe the old way of thinking where you would have kind of the centralized data center and things would be updated daily or weekly or once a month um, instead of connecting users to their information as quickly as possible. I think one of the real interesting aspects of the edge is, of course, this real time and uh, potential for low latency applications. I do think, on the other hand, though, that uh, people do struggle with the notion of how do I actually make something work in real time, even if it's technically possible? Oh, absolutely. It's, I think some of it is because we get very caught up in there's an element of trust and security because it also means to deploy, you have to have sometimes a fairly decentralized deployment. Um, And so that comes with communication and tracking and and making sure that what's rolled out is actually being used in the right way. But I think some of it too, is it's just a very, honestly, it's a technical application of how business was done when technology was not available. So it's this thought of, there's an idea at headquarters, you have a meeting, you roll it out to your field sales team, they're then going and meeting with a customer, you have no idea what's being said in that meeting. So if we think of that's how business was, and then we invented Slack and texting and and all these ways of capturing information really quickly, it then became, well, now all the sales are inside sales (laughs) and everything is being centralized. So it can be monitored as a way of um, kind of having that control. As things go back out into the field, there's a, you encounter this latency with information, making investments to say, how can we have cloud computing as close to the users? So they're, so a seller might be getting real-time insights as they're showing up to a customer site. Um, investments in technology where maybe it's voice recording that's being transcribed, that's putting the notes in the pipeline and updating the forecast, as opposed to a human being having to do it. It's a new way of thinking both about data capture, data processing, transformation and motion, that the speed is sometimes a little stultifying because people are very concerned um, that what they're doing today is broken. And so speeding it up is only getting them closer to a wreck. Um, so where we come in is we help you say, we, we understand automating garbage is automated garbage. <laughs> So let's take the time to make sure you have something really solid in place first, a model that works, something that can scale, something that can be sustained. So then whenever we then add on top of it and layer on top of it, an application that makes it faster and closer and more, you know, tightly aligned with your user, um, you know what you have just accelerated to something worth being fast. And I think that's where a lot of the feel, the fear starts to dissipate and go away. I love that whole idea of worth being fast. You know, the old phrase was garbage in, garbage out, right? That was the old school phrase. Um, But, you know, you hit on something that struck a chord with me. I love this whole idea of monetization of predictive maintenance. Um, Mm -hmm. As you look at that, do you see that as a differentiator for companies? Like, is is it going to be sort of their way to accelerate themselves in the market? Uh, I do for a limited time. So we do a lot in a space called embedded analytics, which is basically just an industry term for 
our customers are using data and, and creating analytics they then provide to their customers, customer-facing data. Um, you know, a few years ago, I want to say it was 2012, Forbes came out with data is the new oil, and it was accurate because it had to be refined and processed before it would be worth anything, <laughs> uh, which is where companies like ours first came into being. But I encourage whenever we talk to customers that are looking to launch embedded application, embedded analytics applications, I caution them that today, this is a value add. Today, this can be a new revenue stream. Today, this is a competitive differentiator. Just like in, you know, a few decades ago, power windows were exciting. In-system navigation in your car was thrilling. Five, 10 years from now, this is table stakes. So the investments you make today, you get to do one, well, it's affordable because the market is fast growing and there's a lot of companies that want your business. And so you're going to get a great deal. They're going to partner with you to make sure you're set up correctly. And it's still new enough in some spaces that you can actually turn this into possibly a chargeable premium offering for some of your higher tier customers that are going to need this out of the gate. But if you don't put this in place now, a decade from now, you're going to have the manual windows while everyone else is not even charging <laughs> to be able to press a button and have it go up and down. And so I think that's that's also the pace at which we're seeing things is absolutely a differentiator, but like so many differentiators, like so many things that start recurring revenue models, there is a limit before this is just considered expected. I, I like, I, I guess I want to pick up on that because I think it's really important. So we're talking about moving the edge to create data and actionable insights and maybe to consider doing that mm -hmm. today and it's a differentiator. But how do we see edge data changing how we approach and manage data as a whole moving forward? Yeah, well, and, and that kind of is where it overlaps a bit where you start to see applications of AI and machine learning in which a lot of the data that is being generated today, and I think a lot of the data that's gonna be created in the future is not even being generated by humans. It's models being created by um, either AI applications or smart machine learning you know, applications, algorithms that are generating things. And so whenever I think about that application through edge data, we're going to see an opportunity in which the models that are validating the models that are challenging the models there's a lot of separations between that and then the human intelligence that first designed it. Um, we've seen that go slightly awry. Um, we, we followed that where you know, Zillow unfortunately built a really smart program that then competed against itself in the market when buying property, driving prices up, right? Because at some point there needed to be human intervention and there just wasn't. And so I think, you know, as we look to the future and we look at the application of edge data, it can be, it's, it's again where even as we evolve, just like with AI, just with machine learning, we need to really be thinking about how we're augmenting human capabilities while keeping human brains in the conversation um, and think about that type of empowerment versus full replacement. And I think that, I mean, earlier we talked about maybe some of the reasons people are hesitant. I think there's sometimes a concern of the security of your job. Uh, and I think it's because um, companies that are getting it right reimagine the role as opposed to remove it or replace it. Um, and so same with applications of edge data is as you're removing latency 
and you're closing that gap between new information that is generated and the insight and action you need to take with that information. What's backing that action and that insight are all of these other models that are feeding it, that are learning, that are improving, that also need to be paired with edge computing. Otherwise, there's going to be latency there and the insights themselves will be old. Um, so that that's something that I see uh, as this space continues to take off and people really start to make these kinds of investments. Um, again, thinking almost just as the data is going to be generated by programs and not always by people, that also the applications that are utilizing, managing a lot of the edge data that they almost start to think of those AI and machine learning programs as a user or a person that needs the same kind of edge computing capabilities powering um, it. But you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm trying to mm -hmm. put on the hat of a CEO that just feels overwhelmed by the amount of data yeah. he or she has, right? Where it, it's, it's yeah. funny, but it's not, right? So how would you tell that CEO to begin to look at this? Sure. So the first thing is an abundance of data is one thing. I believe the real challenge is how are you finding the right data amidst the abundance? And so that is where some things withstand the changes in technology, which is what is your company here to do, your mission, kind of your core strategy and what you're focusing on. And then where is that data being captured in those systems? And what you're going to find is the unfortunate truth is uh, probably a lot of cloud applications, but I guarantee a ton of flat files. Every single application has an export to Excel button. And that is the minute people leave the tour and go off on their own and you have this dark data in a pocket. Um, and. And unfortunately, that is also sometimes when we talk about edge data, a lot of that is Excel. Because you want to talk about no latency, <laughs> a downloaded Excel file I have on the computer in front of me, or a, a better version of that, a Google Sheet I'm typing into that someone can see. Um, and that's where, um, Zwar, we work with, we can help you with flat file management, mapping out data sources, and kind of pulling everything into a single pane. Um, that can then live in a cloud or a solution, like a, an environment that you control on premise um, if you don't necessarily want to have to go uh, into someone else's cloud. But for CEOs, I would say um, it really is what are their priorities and then tie that to what information do you need to know to know how you're tracking against those efforts and then where do you want that data to live? And then as you survey your employees, where is that data actually living? And then come up with a, with a solution or partner with a technology or a company that has a flexibility to, ex to capture those that left the tour. So you need a platform that doesn't just work with your ERP system and your CRM, but also has flat files also allows for streaming information or reports that are emailed on a regular schedule or data being generated by a mobile device. Kind of think about your worst case scenario and then think, is there a way to capture it? Is there a way to automate it? Um, and then of course, you know, think about an analytics platform in which a business user can actually ask questions about the information so that you're not having to, once you solve the technical latency, you're not now adding business latency by inserting 
somebody with a high technical skill set between you and your information to even be able to access it. You want to empower a business user to be able to ask and answer questions about their own environment. That's mm-hmm. great information because you're right. Yeah. That's the bottleneck I, right there. You mentioned Excel. It's 2022 and we're still using Excel to do so many things. You know, we started this conversation with the concept of what excites you in edge applications today. But if you put on your future thinking hat, what do you think we'll see in the future that we're well, not considering I mean, we're today? Kind of a, a little bit of, um, for so long, I think when people talked about work-life balance, they were trying to think about how they can fit more life into their workday. And now we're seeing a bit of, of a revolution in which people are now struggling to fit work into their life. And companies are struggling to catch up with that, um, those that don't quite get it. So I'm very excited that just as at the end of the Black Plague, you had the introduction of the Renaissance. Um, I think we're going to see a creative burst of really intelligent ideas um, in which these kind of lack of boundaries around how we work and how we interact with each other, with our coworkers, with our customers, with our leadership and our space, as that continues to kind of expand and be really vague, I think the technology will catch up to meet us where we are. So that just like good AI and good machine learning is centered on augmenting the human, I think really good edge computing practices and just really good business practices are centered on how we can not just create the best employee or the best work product, but really enable the best life for the people that choose to, to give invest their time with us, um, either as a customer or as an employee. And so I, I think that that is a, it's a new playing field and it's a new generation. Um, and it, I think it's a very exciting one because I also think as we look at automation and we look at shortening latency, I don't think that time is necessarily going to be reinvested as respecting the grind or the hustle. I think it's going to be people spending time with families, um, pursuing advanced degrees, generating art, um, and continuing to build our society and leading us into the future. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's very vague, but I, I find myself a bit of an optimist coming out of what has been a kind of dark two years as I look at the world around me and seeing kind of, especially this new generation, what they ask and demand of the companies around them. It's really inspiring. Well, that was great. No, I, I, I was, I was smiling through it. We, we love the optimism. That was a great answer. Thank you so much for being on the program. We look forward to talking to you again. This has been Elevate the Edge. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe so you can easily find us again. Follow us on Twitter at Maribel Lopez and at Digital Cloud Gal, and on LinkedIn. Links to our social profiles, show notes, and ways to listen to the podcast can be found at elevatetheedge.com.